Stories matter. The stories we share with one another, the, the, the stories that define our life. I was watching uh, Jeremy and Rachel lead us this morning, and I remember uh, kind of a, an afternoon when you and Rachel sat in Brian Brown's office and talking about joining our team some 15 years ago. Yeah. And that matters. That origin matters. And, and when we talk about our family, we talk about our family origin. Tara and I had a uh, dinner the other night with a wonderful couple in our church, and they asked us this question. So, how did you two meet? Have y'all ever wondered how Tara and I got together? I mean, you look at her, you look at me, you go, how did that happen, right? I heard that amen from somebody back there, Dr. Cheat. I'm not calling any names. How did that happen? Well, I met Tara at church. That's how it happened. I, was, I went out with one of her friends. Her friend invited me to church. I went to church and I saw Tara and I forgot about her friend. And it only took me a year and a half to get that girl convinced to go out with me. And she turned me down four times for a date, but I am persistent if I am nothing else. But that is the story, the origin of our family. And I think about our family as a church family. Uh, this week in our group, off-campus group lesson, I talked about our origins, that we don't go back 135 years. We go back 2,000 years. We go back to Acts chapter 2, the church of Jerusalem, and we're trying to be an Acts chapter 2 church in a new millennium world. And, and those qualities, those commitments, they haven't changed. The method has changed. The style has changed. But that, that message hasn't changed. To be that church that builds lives, that connects, that grows, that serves, that shares, that honors God with a lifestyle, just like in Acts chapter 2. Now, let me say this a little aside. Do y'all know that with our on-campus groups and our off-campus groups, we have over 60 groups meeting now at First Baptist Church Wimberley? Is that incredible or what? Yeah, it's just exciting. So if you're not connected, uh, we got a group for you, and we'd love for you to get connected. But stories matter. Now, I'm going to do something today that's going to be a little different for y'all. You're going, everything's a little different with you, Scott. So y'all, I'm, what I'm going to do this morning is because I want you to know who we are as a family, I'm going to take you through our membership process. What? That's right. I'm going to show you what it means to be a member here. Now, some of you said, well, I ain't going to be a member here. Well, just sit back and relax. You'll be fine. And some of you say, well, I'm already a member here. Well, this would be a good reminder of what you're committed to. Some of you are praying about, do I need to put my heart here? Do I need to put my life here? And, and some of you have been thinking, why be a member of a church anyway? Well, I'm going to answer those questions for you today because I want you to know why. This is us and this is how we live. These are the things we're committed to. Now, what I've discovered as the, the few short years I've been a pastor, 38, that uh, a lot of people, time pastors, don't take the time to explain to you what we do and why we do it. We pontificate our theological wonders, but we really don't pull back and say, okay, let's talk about the basics. And if it's okay with you, we're going to talk about the basics. Is it okay with you? Okay, that's four or five of you, so that's enough. The rest of y'all can wake up, all right? So this is who we are. I want you to look at this, this, this passage. This is Ephesians chapter 1. His unchanging plan, that's God's unchanging plan, has been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gives him pleasure. This gives God pleasure. When a person comes to Christ, heaven breaks out in celebration. Heaven breaks out because another person has been redeemed. This gives God delight. This is God's passion. 
In fact, the passion of the Christ was his going to the cross to die for us. That's his passion, and it brings him pleasure. And he, he loves to rescue us. Then I love this thing. He adopts us into a family. You know, when you have a child biologically, you get what you get, right? When you adopt a child, you get who you choose. God chose you. God chose you. That is amazing to me. How would God even know me? <laughs> he knew you before you formed you. And he's wooed you with everlasting love, with tender mercy and tender kindness. He's calls you to himself. He chooses you. And because you were born, uh, I said this in Canada and they got offended. You were born a child of the devil. I remember that I said, when you were born a child of the devil, someone said, oh, Pastor Scott, that's not very nice, eh? Why did you say we're born child, children of the devil? Because that's what Jesus said you were. Oh, we didn't know that. You just thought you were born a Canadian or a Texan. But God says, you're not meant to be a child of the devil. You're meant to be a child of the king. So I'm going to adopt you into my family. It gives him pleasure. He goes, got some more kids. More kids. You see, when we come to Jesus... We come to be a part of a family, a family that we are chosen by and a family we get to choose to be committed to and with for the glory of King Jesus. Just amazing. Look at this passage. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely into families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. I'm reading that and I, get, I just get chill bumps. <laughs> I'm fatherless. My daddy passed away 12 years ago this past Monday. But I got a daddy God. And my daddy lives with Jesus. But I got a daddy God who's looking out after me, who loves me. And he's placed me into a family. Placed me into a family. I, I will say something. I hope it doesn't creep you out. But Tara's pet name for me it's daddy. It's daddy. Daddy. She calls me daddy. Freaks people out when they hear it. But yeah, amen. Thank you, Mark. That's right. Yeah. But there could be other names she calls me, Mark. I'm going, I'm going to be happy with daddy. But I want to be a father like God is. I want to be a husband uh, like God wants me to be. I want to be the man God wants me to be. And so what he does, he adopts me into his family and he shows me how to live. And then he fills me with his spirit so that I'll have the will and the desire to do what pleases him. It says that in Ephesians. Isn't that cool? So today I'm going to take you through this process. And it's basically divided in these three areas. And if you have your bulletin, you can take it out and look at it. There's all kinds of stuff in that bulletin anyway. It's believe, belong, become. Believe, belong, become. I taught this in Canada twice. And when I taught it in Canada, it, the Canadians really didn't believe in formal church membership. They, they didn't. And so we had a church of about 5,000 a weekend in attendance with only about 400 members. And when I started talking about the importance of commitment and being committed, then people started becoming members. On the Sundays that I preached this message, we had 400 people join the family that Sunday. And the next time I preached it, another 450 joined. 
the family because they saw the importance of being connected. Now, some of you, you grew up Baptist and you know you're supposed to be a member. Some of you grew up Methodist, you know you're supposed to be a member. Or Presbyterian, you're supposed to be a member. Membership's kind of ingrained. But listen, y'all, this is not a membership of a country club without a golf course. That's worthless. This is about being committed to Jesus Christ and committed to one another. That we become a vital part of the body of Christ. Not amputees that have no power, but the full combination of you and me together with King Jesus to be the hope of the world. So I'm going to take you through this process. And some of you are thinking about taking your next step. Some of you aren't, and that's okay. I've already talked about those things. Uh, Some of you just need to be reminded because you've been a member here forever, but you need to be reminded. Some of you literally forever. But let's, let's take this adventure together. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us this morning. And I pray that you speak through me that will not be my words or my thoughts, but your truth that leads us to understand who you are and what you want for us. So um, just do what you do, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now go ahead and take out your bulletin and get ready to jot some things down. And remember the resources we have for you. Now I need to tell you all something that's pretty exciting. Our website has served us well to this point, but it's not adequate to take us into the future. And we know that. And through the generosity of a donor, we have a world-class company building us a world-class website. And it's going to have content available. Uh, Some of my stuff that I'm writing, uh, like I'm about to release 52 Weeks with Jesus. That'll be uh, on on our content. And it'll be a wonderful platform to us give content, not only to, uh, to you, but to anybody who wants it. Uh, we're going to have an open-handed policy with our content. Like, you can have it. I, I had a preacher call me uh, this week, and he said, Pastor Scott, I got eight weeks, and I have no idea what to preach. I said, well, I'll send you something. And I sent him content for, for messages. Now, what he'll do is he'll take it as a recipe. He'll work on it. He's not going to preach my, my messages. I, what I've done is I've done, Dr. Cheatham, I've done the research for him. I've given him the Julia Childs of Preaching Cookbook. And, uh, and so that is what we, we desire to do that. So we've got this website. Isn't that exciting? Not coming out of our budget, but coming out of a donor's heart that said we want to provide the best resources possible. So you look forward to it. I'll let you know when that new website will go live, and we're really excited about developing that. Isn't that cool news? Isn't that great news? Yeah. That's five of you. The rest of you going, what's a website? Yeah. Soon you'll know well enough. Here's the first thing I want you to hold on to. Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Listen to this out of Romans. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal damnation. Saved from having a useless, wasted life. You'll be saved from yourself and you'll be saved unto God. For it is by believing in your heart that makes you right with God. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. As scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. If you trust in Jesus, he's never going to let you down. He's never going to let you down. Why? Because he is good. Good. Oh, we sang that today. And when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he holds you, he seals you for eternity. He has you. He has you. How does that happen? 
by you believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Why is that important? Let me tell you, it's like a light bulb. If you take a light bulb and you break that little string in between it, it it ain't going to light up. And see, what happens with the heart and the mouth, it connects to righteousness, to faith, to grace. The power of God illuminates your life. Wow. Now, here's some things I want you to hold on. I want you to hold on to this. Here's the first thing. God loves you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. How long has he loved you? <laughs> long before you ever knew that. He's loved us with an everlasting love, it says in Jeremiah. He has wooed us with tender kindness. I heard a preacher say this one time. I don't know if I like the way it sounds, a little creepy, but I will say it anyway. He woos us like a lover, but loves us like a daddy. That's what he does. He woos us, he draws us, that he loves us completely. But we're sinners. And that sin has separated us from God. And that sin, you know, we can start listing sins. I heard a preacher say one time, I'm against sin except for the ones I enjoy. Right? We all have our pet sins. We'll get upset over uh, somebody smoking or drinking or dancing or chewing, but we'll gossip in the parking lot. We'll slander. We'll be critical. We'll have a negative critical heart. And we, we, we like those sins. You know, we won't, we won't deal with that. We, oh, we like gluttony. Can I get a witness? Yes, y'all looking at me. Don't you be looking at me. Ain't your job to judge. You know, so we like the sins we enjoy. And here's the deal. I'm going to invite you over for breakfast, and I'm going to make you an omelet, and I, we're going to take three eggs, and one of them's rotten. I'm going to make you an omelet anyway. And you're going to eat rotten stuff. Every one of us got rotten stuff in our lives. Every one of us. And when you start judging other people about their rotten stuff, remember the Lord says you're going to be judged by the same standard by which you judge. You better just not judge. You better just keep your pie hole shut because your rottenness is universal. And what happens is your rottenness separates you from God. God cannot stand sin. He can't look on sin. So what he has to do, he has to cover your sin with his imputed righteousness. And that's why God loved us so much that while we were sinners, Christ, God demonstrated his love for us by Christ dying on the cross for us. God demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners, Christ died, says in Romans 5.8. So our, here's God, and here you are when you're a little bitty baby, you don't know any better, and soon you start slip, slip, sliding away. And pretty soon you're way down here. And Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. In order to be a part of this family, you have to have trusted Jesus. There has to be a time in your life where you personally said something like this. Jesus, I'm yours. I give my life to you. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose again from the dead. And Jesus, I'm yours. Welcome to the family. You have to believe. We are not a family made up of people who've decided to be a part. We're made up of a family who God has redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's good news, isn't it? You know what? That's available to everybody in this room, everybody listening online. 
Jesus got enough love to go around. And he welcomes us into his family. You have to believe. You have to believe. And then there's the next step, that we have symbols of belief. When you believe, then you're baptized. And so we go, oh, 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 Scott, now you're just talking like a Baptist now. No, I'm not talking like a Biblicist now. You have to be baptized. Baptism is a symbol, an outward symbol of an inward commitment. And when you're baptized, you're declaring to the whole world, I am following Jesus. Now, some of you say, well, wait, Scott, when I was a little baby, my parents had me baptized. That's awesome. That's awesome they did that. But that was between them and God, not you and God. That was literally saying, God, we're going to believe at the right time this little child that we love so much is going to come to a saving knowledge of you. So we're going to baptize him now to prepare him for his confession later. And that's very loving. But the only problem is the Bible doesn't teach that. That's loving that parents do that and denominations teach that. But the Bible says that after you believe, you're baptized. So some of y'all are going to be twice dipped. You're like a double dip, dip cone. You're good. But the thing is, I don't want to negate or, or, despi- or be disparaging toward what your parents did. I'll never do that. But the Bible says believe and be baptized as a symbol of your adult self saying, hey, I, I'm Jesus, I'm yours. And it's a powerful thing. You know, I didn't get this wedding ring from Tara until we got married. And when she slipped this ring on my finger, that it, it she was an outward sign. It, you know what it says to all you girls? I'm taken. That's what it says. Now, of course, if I take it off, I'm not going to have any trouble with that other thing. But, you know, it's that I belong to Tara. This is not my wedding ring. It's my Tara ring. Baptism is like a wedding ring. It shows that you are. And today, we're going to baptize in the creek. Uh, Let me tell you something about baptism. Baptism, biblical baptism, uh, the Jewish tradition was always in moving, living water. So we baptize in the creek because it's moving, living water. Is it bad to be baptized here? No, except for that. That's too small. With the number of people we baptize around here, you can only baptize one or two at a time. We're baptizing 15 and 20 at a time. And so we, we have an outward expression of an inward commitment and, and be baptized. And I want to tell you something baptism will do for you. This is what it'll do for you. It will solidify your commitment. You'll solidify it. Because it's a visible, visceral experience it will solidify it. And I've seen it happen over and over. There's a second thing we do. Baptism is once. You only have to be baptized one time after you believed. After you believed. But we do something regularly also that declares we believe, and that's communion or the Lord's Supper. We do it every other month. We could do it more often. We could do it less often. The Bible doesn't say how often. It just says as often as you do it. So we try to do it regularly. And what that does, let me tell you what communion does. It reminds you that you belong to Jesus, but also it reminds us we belong to one another. Communion has that double meaning. I belong to Jesus, and I belong to Jesus' people, that we're in family, common unity, community, communion. Are y'all with me on that? So when we eat the bread and we drink the cup and we lift it up and say, to the king, we're declaring it together. We're declaring it together. Peter, he said this, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, as a symbol of the forgiveness of your sins. Wow. 
then we have to believe these theological truths. Are y'all with me so far? Because I'm, I'm about to go fast. We believe these theological truths. These are the theological truths we hold to. Now listen to me, y'all. There's a lot of disputable things. We could start talking about our views of eschatology. That's disputable. It doesn't matter. We could talk, talk about our, our views of sorentology. That's, that's, uh, that's more, uh, we'll talk about sorentology or pneumology. We'll talk about pneumology here. Uh, ecclesiology. Some of those things are surely, they're not that important. Whether or not you have liberty to do this or do that or do the other. Those are things that are disputable. In the, in the essentials, we have unity. In the disputables, we have, we have tolerance or love or acceptance. And I really believe in the priesthood of the believer. I believe that all of y'all, because of the Holy Spirit, have the right to look at Scripture and interpret it for yourselves. You don't need me to interpret it. You don't. Because the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you. In fact, I need you to fact check me. Some of you, well, I've been doing that for a long time. Good. Good. But these are the basics that we hold to. There is one God who is infinitely perfect, existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. We just sang it. Jesus is the true God, true man. Conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he died on the cross just for the unjust as a substitution, a substitutionary sacrifice, and all who believe in him are justified on the grounds of his shed blood. He rose from the dead according to Scripture and will come again in glory. The Holy Spirit is God, and he is sent to indwell, guide, teach, and empower the believer and convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And he gives gifts to men. The Bible is made up of the Old and New Testament. It is inerrant and originally given and is a verbal inspired by God. They are a complete revelation of God's will for the salvation of people. They are divine and only rule for Christian life and faith. Humankind, originally created in the image and likeness of God, fell through disobedience, thus incurring both physical and spiritual death. We are all sinners and can only be saved by act by the atoning work of Jesus Christ, the eternal destiny of those who reject Jesus is forever, uh, conscious torment separated from God, and for those who believe, everlasting joy in the presence of the Lord. Salvation is only provided by faith in Jesus Christ. There are not many roads to God, there's only one in Jesus Christ. The church is universal, of which, of which Jesus is the head, consisted of all who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Universal, not just Baptists, y'all. Methodists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, they're just a little more active. Um, we're all part of the family. Assembly of God, we're all part of the family. Some of them don't think we are, but we are. We are. The local church is the expression of the universal church and gathers to observe the ordinances of love, Lord's Supper and baptism, to pray, to be encouraged through the word of God, to fellowship, to testify in word and good deeds, the good news of salvation both locally and globally. With there shall be a bodily resurrection of the dead, both the just and the unjust, the just to life in Christ, the unjust to judgment and separation from God. And finally, Jesus is coming again personally and visibly as a completion of the redemptive work of God. These are our essentials. And you say, well, what about this? What about that? We, we've thought about all those things, but we've come down to, as a leadership team, come down to say, these are our essentials. They're found in our bylaws. They're also found on our website. This is, this is the only theological truths we ask you to hold on to. You got that? And they're just, well, what about this? What about this? This is it. And those other things, we're, we're okay with. Now, some stuff you, you're thinking we ain't okay with. 
Well, we talk about that, but these, we want you to have the essentials on these beliefs. To believe the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized as a, as, as a symbol of that believing and to hold on to these theological values. Believe. Then the second thing is to belong. To belong. So now you Gentiles, that's us, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're a member of God's family. You belong to God's family. You know, people, some people call me Brother Scott. It's a little creepy, Brother Scott. But literally, that's what we are, brothers and sisters. Did you know that? My brother, I was speaking at his church one day, and he, he introduced me this way. I want to introduce you to my brother, Scott. We are biological brothers, but more importantly, we are brothers through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. More importantly, we are brothers through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that we've been brought together into family. I think that's pretty amazing. A Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan. You still belong to Jesus, but you need a family. You need some people who you can count on, folks you can call in the middle of the night, people who are going to be praying for you, caring about you. This uh, past weekend, third, uh, Friday and Saturday, Tara and I were doing a married couples retreat in Columbus, Texas. We got back about 10.30 last night. I taught Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and came back to aggravate y'all today. And uh, that married couples retreat, there were several couples there that had been, I'd been their pastor in days past. And, and I told one of them, uh, he, he came and hugged me at the end. And I said, Bubba, I told you that I would love you until I'm dead. After that, you're on your own. He goes, yeah, I remember that. I said, I do. And um, just because we're separated in distance, it doesn't mean we don't love each other. We still belong to the body of Christ. To the body of Christ. Last night while I was teaching the final session, I noticed several of, of people there that were in our former churches, they were crying. I don't know if they were crying because they were glad that they were tears of joy that they're shed of me now, or if it was tears of, of fondness or tears of grief, I don't know. But all I do know is this, is that love keeps us together and God is love. Wow. You need family. You choose to belong. You come to Christ because he woos you and then you accept him and he saves you. But then you choose to belong to a church family and you will not grow until you're committed. You won't. And I hear people say, well, I'm a part of the church, invisible church. Really? Does the invisible pastor pray for you? Does the invisible deacon come to see you when you're sick? Does your invisible group um, hold you accountable? That's ridiculous. You need to be a part of a, of a local family. You need to have some people you can count on, brothers and sisters. You need to be connected. That's why we talk about groups at first. You can't, if you come here to this gathering every week and expect to have deep fellowship, this is one of the most loving, welcoming churches I've ever been to, but this is not enough for you. You need a group. You, get, you need a group. And we've got groups that meet on campus. After this hour, there's groups meeting. Uh, off campus, during this hour, there's groups meeting, off-campus groups that are meeting. And we do this together. We are biblical groups. We're not social groups. God's word is front and center in what we do, and we're growing together in scripture and in fellowship. That's what we're doing. You need a group. We have recovery groups and service groups and ministry groups and cooking groups and, 
in mud out groups and chainsaw groups. We got carpenters helpers. We got celebrate recover. We got all kinds of groups so you could be connected. You will not become all that God expects you to be without belonging to the family. We grow like Jesus best together. How can we accomplish the one another's of the Bible if we're not connected? Love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, build up one another, forgive one another. How can we do that if we're isolated? You can't. How can you do that if you're not intentionally connected? You become a consumer, not a contributor. Huh. I'll tell y'all something. I'm not committed to Walmart. I'm not committed to HEB. I ought to be my daughter works for him, but I'm not committed to H-E-B. I'm committed to King Jesus, and I shop at H-E-B. But I'll tell you something, I'm committed to you. And I, we just ain't shopping here. We're changing the world here. Wow. And we're part of the bigger family of the Southern Baptists. Why, why are we part of the Southern Baptist Convention? Isn't that kind of antiquated? Isn't that, shouldn't we be non-denominational? Well, the truth is every local Baptist church is independent and autonomous. They don't tell us what to do. We basically are non-denominational. All we're doing by saying we're Baptists, we're holding on to the authority of Scripture. And we're showing a historical belief in the authority of Scripture. And then we cooperate together to be the hope of the world with other like-minded churches called Southern Baptists. And we have a network of them. And we're involved with them. And we want to do that willingly. The International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention is the most powerful and effective mission-sending organization in the history of the world. And we're part of that. Our seminaries, which we contribute to, we help support, they pay for my education. And and we are providing world-class seminary education. When you get a seminary degree from one of our six seminaries, you have a significant theological credentialing that makes you acceptable. I want to tell you all this. You all need to know this. I hold ordination in three different denominations because they recognize my seminary education. Wow. Now, there's some of them won't take me, but that's a whole other story. There are benefits of membership. Let me give them to you. In fact, they'll be up on the screen. It's a sign of commitment to the local church body. It strengthens your bond to spiritual family for support and encouragement. It enables you to discover and use your spiritual gifts. It places you under the protection of godly leaders. It gives you the right to vote on leaders and direction of the church family. We are better together. We need each other. We, uh, as a pastor and leader in our other leadership organizations, if you're not behind us and we're not with us together, then we might go astray. We need to be together. That's why we inform you. That's why we vote on things. That's why we talk about things. That's why we tell you things. Because we don't want you to be uninformed. It gives you a home for your heart. When Tara and I were interviewing to become the pastor here, I'll tell you something, y'all. I preached here for four months as your interim, and then they interviewed me to be your pastor. They grilled me like a fish. They about knew everything I knew after four months. I done told them everything I ever thought. They grilled me like a fish. For five hours, they talked to me. Can y'all believe that? Asked me 77 questions. I counted them, Mike Stephen, 77 questions. You know why they did that? They wanted to be sure. Because they wanted their family to be led correctly. Now, they might have second thoughts from time to time, but 
The Lord helps us with that. Mike's sitting over there. That's why I'm looking at him. He just woke up. He said, he's talking about me? Yeah. But you know what? God puts us together intentionally. Why? Because I'm going to have to give an account for you. Where am I going to give that account? Is it when I stand before the Lord in the great eschaton? No, it's right now. Right now. The Holy Spirit is saying, hey, 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 how's your flock do it? You might need to kill a few goats. How's your flock doing? And I realize that accountability, and I embrace that. And as your pastor, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to love you, and I'm going to lead you. I ain't going to force you. You're Texans. You ain't going to be forced anyway. But I'm going to love you and lead you. And you know what I know? When Texans come to Jesus, the devil shakes in his boots. Because there ain't nobody like a Texan. Bless God. I wasn't born a Texan. I was adopted into the family. I chose to be a Texan. And here's the last thing, become. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. We are to become like Jesus. We are building lives, church, that honors God, that we can become like Jesus. So we can think like Jesus, see like Jesus, hear like Jesus, speak like Jesus, have the mind of Christ. This is why we're here, to believe in Jesus, to belong to his family, and to become like Jesus and be the hope of the world. More like Jesus, connected to Christ and to each other, growing in spiritual disciplines and understanding, serving God by serving others, contagiously sharing the love of God, sharing our hope wherever we go. I just released my first podcast this week. You could go on uh, my Facebook page and you'll see the podcast. And I'd appreciate you going on and subscribing to it. Let me tell you why. Because if you subscribe to it, it starts raising the ratings. And then iHeartMedia will pick up my podcast and it will go to hundreds of thousands of people and they will get front and center with Jesus Christ. I am not out to be famous. Did y'all know that? I'm out to make Jesus famous. In two generations, nobody's gonna know I lived. But will they know Jesus because I lived? And so go and listen to that podcast that we become like Christ together and, and take the next steps and honoring God as a life of worship. And we have a next step process. And actually what I'm teaching you today is the first step, the step into membership. It's the connecting class. In other words, if you, if you come here today, you hear this today and you say, okay, I want to be a member. You could skip, you get to clap out of the first class because you got it today. We're giving you a bonus time. It's like getting college credit in high school, y'all. Y'all with me? We get to be a part of God's movement, something bigger than ourselves, something bigger than anything else in the world. I see people walking around with Astros hats on. They ain't never gonna play for the Astros, but they wanna identify with the world champion. I see people walking around with Houston, Texas jerseys on, or University of Texas, or A&M. I, I was expecting to hear a whoop from that. At A&M, I, I see people wearing their college gear. You're not going to be a part of that. Yeah, you may root for that, but you get to be a part of this. You get to be a part of this family. This changes everything. All that's just fluff. They just want you to buy a shirt. God wants you to change your world. Changes everything. You get to contribute for God's glory to the mission of God, which is the local church. 
I've said this before. We don't give to missions here. We are the mission here. We get to be the hope of the world. For you are all of God, all children of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in your bulletin, I want you to take it out. You have a card. You have a few cards. But you have a card that looks like this. It's front and back. And it's our membership covenant, our membership commitment, our membership agreement. You can call whatever you want to. And, and in this really lays out what does it mean to be a part of this family. And here, let me read it for you real quick. Having received Jesus as Lord and Savior and being baptized and being in agreement with this church's statement, strategies, and structures, I now fell led by the Holy Spirit to not with this church family. In doing so, I commit myself to God and to the other members to do the following. Live a life of honor by acting in love toward other members, by speaking positively, loving one another, and supporting the leaders, by seeing all I do as an act of worship, by connecting to the church family, with my church family, by praying for our health and growth, by inviting the unchurched to attend, by warmly welcoming those who visit, by being connected in a group and a ministry. I will grow to be more like Jesus by attending faithfully, by living a godly life, by giving regularly, by regularly reading, studying, and applying God's word to my life. I will share, I will serve the ministry of my church by discovering my gifts and talents, by being equipped to serve, by developing a servant's hearts. I will share in the love of, of Jesus by looking for and seizing opportunity to share my hope in Christ, by acts of compassion, by building vital relationships with those not connected with Jesus or his church, by loving all people in word and deed. That's what we're asking you to commit to. So on the back of this, it says this. If you're a member of First Baptist Church already, uh, you could take this and fill it out and drop it in the basket back there. And some of you say, I ain't gonna fill out no form. Then don't. Just don't. If you're gonna be grumpy, just eat another pig in the blanket, drink a cup of coffee. You'll be all right. But you say, you know what? I, I really wanna say, okay, I'm in. You just fill it out and place it in the basket back there. If you're not a member today and you wanna be, we're gonna help you. Right now, our deacons and advisors are getting up and they're moving to the tables in the back. Watch them, like young deer springing forth from their nesting place. And they're, they're getting up and they're moving to their place. And these guys are gonna be back here at tables. And what they would like to do is, if you're saying, hey, I wanna be a part of this family, they're gonna do a brief interview with you, talk to you, and welcome you to the family, and, and you'll be a part, you'll be a member today. This is kind of reverse altar call. Instead of coming to the front, go to the back. If some of y'all been praying about this, you want to take your next step, today's your day. We just made it easy for you. How does that sound? Does that sound like a good idea? You know, if it doesn't work, we'll never do it again. But it might work. So we have many, many tables, many, many people. Pick out the best looking and the brightest <laughs> and, and go to that. I'm looking back there. I don't know where I'd go. They all look best looking and bright. But go back there and they would love to have conversations with you. Now, I want to pray for us and then I'm gonna ask you to move, okay? So Father, thank you for what you've said and done in and, and our hearts and our lives. And I pray, Father, that we'll make decisions today that change our trajectory of our life. And thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray this in Christ Jesus' strong name.